All right, man. We're back for round two on the PSB podcast about how the NCAA basketball recruiting rules affected grassroots basketball. Sim Fraser's back in the house. We did a podcast, when was that, six months ago about? Yeah, about that. Maybe yeah. when, when the NCAA came out with all their new, um, the, the NCAA scandal came out, then the NCAA formed a, a group. Right made some changes to the rules, uh, in particular the recruiting calendar, right. um, when colleges can go out and see kids and when they can't, and then they themselves try to get involved and, and kind of um, they, they, they ran their own thing this summer. So, right. uh, yeah, I guess we'll kind of kick it off there, man, and, and get yeah. your overall thoughts on now that the uh, spring and summer are over with, all the live periods are done, what um, what'd you think? Man, um, mixed mix reviews overall, I think uh, it missed a mark for a lot of kids. Um, um, the, what the goal was, was perception was to take away power from the AAU and travel ball coaches and kind of put it back in the hands of the high school coaches. Um, and I don't think they accomplished that. Um, uh, what we're in situation now is um, – the way the calendar is now, you have one April live period for AAU teams. You have two weekends to play with high school teams. You have one weekend to play with AAU teams again. And then the NCAA ran a camp. Um, and it would just misses all the way around, I felt like. Um, and so it just you can just start from the top, right? So April, we had the one weekend. Um, and it put coaches – that normally had two weekends, you had one weekend, so it was a mad dash, right? Everybody spread out, looking for the players, trying to get an evaluation in a short amount of time. Um, so you really stretched college coaches thin. You didn't see a ton of offers go out because they just didn't have enough time to see everybody. Um, and even regionally, you know, we had schools in our own backyard that weren't able to see our guys as much as they would like just because you're trying to see so many kids at one time. Um, and then you moved on to June. And June, in theory, was was a good idea. I thought I thought you know involving some of the high schools um, was a good idea. See kids in a different setting; they might be more comfortable, um, a little bit more organized in some cases, depending on who they played with. Um, but what we had was like a revolt almost. You know, you had some major states that didn't participate. Texas, Florida, California, New York that didn't get involved. Some major players there, too. Major. Man, that, that, that's a big pool of talent. Yeah, huge. That did not do anything. Um, and so uh, the first week, I think you had 19 states that participated in events. Is that um, all? And then the second week, it was 11 states. Ooh, I did not know that. Right. North Carolina was uh, one of the few states that did stuff both weeks. Private schools and public schools did their own thing, but they did do something – uh, so it was good in, in the state here. So in North Carolina, um, there was a lot of positivity. You know, you saw coaches and some kids got some stuff from it. Yeah. But if you were in uh, <laughs> like Tennessee or maybe uh, I think Georgia did a good job or like Mississippi or some of these other states uh, that they really struggled to get people to see him. I know a buddy of mine coaches in Texas, he, he's like, look, we just practice. We did AAU practice because our kids couldn't do anything Yeah. Uh, to get in front of anybody. Yeah. Um, and then you moved ahead to June, July. Uh, they got back together with us, uh, the travel team coaches, for one week. And so you had you had a little bit. They they were able to college coaches were able to see you a little bit in April, get some film maybe in May, see them in June, different settings. And then July get to see them. 
Um, so you had some it, it picked up. It was kind of like business as usual. Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of offer offers, and a lot of kids' recruitment start to go up. And then we just you stopped that. Um, and then you had a week of a break, and then they went to the camps. Um, and so what the NCAA did, they did four um, regional camps. So you had uh, Connecticut, Phoenix, Houston, and Illinois. Yeah, but the funny thing about that is they called them regional camps, but they weren't regional they at weren't all. They weren't regional at like, all. We're here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we had, camp- we had kids go to camp at where UConn, Phoenix, and Houston. Uh, North Carolina kids went Phoenix and UConn. Um, Georgia kids, we have a Georgia kid that went to Houston. Okay. I know South Carolina kids went to Illinois. But, yeah, that's crazy (laughs) because if it's a true regional camp, you take whatever, the southeast region, the northeast region, the Midwest, like actually do it regionally, which makes a lot more sense because the majority of kids at those colleges are going to be typically from the region. Right. I mean, yeah. Right. And so you even had coaches. I, I talked to a coach uh, this morning who was in their schools in the region of Yukon, did not attend the Yukon camp because their thought process was, you know, we probably see it, these kids normally. We need to go outside the area. So yeah. you, you know what else is funny about that? You remember uh, a few years back, it was when, when we first started getting into it. I think you had been doing it maybe a little while, but – when I first started coaching AAU at that 17U level with, you know, the, the the travel teams and stuff, like we went to Clemson and played an awesome tournament there. Right. But then the NCAA came and said, no, that's not fair. Get off the college campuses. But now, right. now they're back on. Yeah, they were getting and, a recruiting advantage because you got kids getting on, getting on a campus, seeing everything. Oh, I'd really like to come to Houston or VM or VCU was running stuff. Um, that was when Big Shots was really running a lot of good things right. on college campuses. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, the NCAA said it was a recruiting advantage, and right. now they went back onto that campus. And my understanding is those schools bid to yep. have the camp, so whoever paid the most amount of money won the right to run that camp, right. which is it's a recruiting advantage. If it was then, it right. still is now. Right. So the problem with that is I don't think many of those schools saw a recruiting advantage because many of the top players didn't go. Um, and so you had a situation where um, to get invited to the NCAA camps, you had to self-nominate. The kids had to self-nominate the – Or didn't the college coaches invite some, or was it all self No, it was self-nominated, and then they would put out a list, and the college coaches would go online and pretty much, like, okay. click who they wanted to see. Um, so those um, – the nominations were supposed to go through high school coaches to the players – um, I was able to track down the nomination form or whatever and send it out to our kids and say, hey, this is what's going on. If you want to be a part, there's a deadline. You need to, to do it. Um, so you had some, some people that just didn't know how to, how to nominate. You had some people that just were not going. Um, and a lot of that was coming from AAU coaches, some of the bigger names and that coached the higher-level kids were just like, you know what, they screwed us, screw them, we're not going to go. Yeah, because I was actually surprised um – on social media this past weekend when the NCAA camp was going on, I also saw like Las, it, there, there was still the big, a, a big tournament in Las Vegas yeah. with an, an EYBL teams, and oh, DS yeah. teams. Yeah, like, yeah. so there was still some big time, yeah. big time tournaments going on. And the, I think the, the big part of that was, you know, the, the NCAA made this decision, uh, that committee uh, made the decision without really consulting people that are, Involved, right, and that showed with some of the decision making and and the schedule and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And so they just took the approach with, you don't want to talk to us? You know, you think we're just irrelevant, inferior? We're just we're going to show you kind of thing. It's like a power struggle. And now the kid is in the middle. Now the high-level yeah. kid, it's not going to matter. No. Um, but that, that was my whole thing from day one. They said, okay, uh, essentially the shoe teams and the agents are the problems, but those two entities cater to the elite level kids. So right. the elite level kids are technically the problem, but all of the changes the NCAA made helped the elite level kids right. and hurt the mid-major, low-major, even D2, D3 level kids, right. the kids that like were not the issue in the first place, which mm-hmm. is the whole the craziness of the whole situation right. to me. And we called it on our last podcast, mm-hmm. the one we did before that. We said this was going to happen. I think the high school stuff maybe turned out better than we thought, but if you ran it. Yeah. yeah. So overall as a whole, maybe not because a lot of states didn't participate, right. but the ones that did it, did it pretty well, which is great. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. um, my, my only, um, my only warning would be, okay, it was great in North Carolina because, you know, we had 19, 11 states participating. If you have all 50 states doing something, that spreads it out. If, if Texas decides to do something, Florida, California, you better believe that they're not getting only those schools close by. They're getting kid, you know, schools yeah. from all over the place. So that's going to take away. That's another thing we talked about. It's like, okay, if you have all 50 states, like right. Colorado kids are going to get screwed because right. – no one's going to go to call. I'm from Colorado, so I right. can I can right. speak about it on the boys' <laughs> side. Like they're going to go to Texas mm-hmm. and they're going to go to California and they're going to go to the other states with the big talent pools. North Carolina, luckily, would be probably one of the ones with a good talent pool. But you right. got you got how do you decide between Florida, uh, Georgia, here, North Carolina, and you know the DMV. whatever and anywhere else? Yeah, yeah the yeah, DMV. Yeah. Like I mean, that's hard. Yeah, they they have. But three or four coaches four. that can go out and recruit. Four, so, so they got they got yeah. to spread themselves to four. They'd yeah. be locked, limited to four different places. They right. can't go to fifty. Whereas with AAU, it was like, okay, you combine all this talent, you can pre, you can pick four places that 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 you can see a lot of talent right. kids from all over. Right. Um, and that was part of the issue. I mean, I guess if, if you have four coaches that can go out and recruit. There's three shoe circuits that are going to have the majority of the talent, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. Three coaches are going to go to each one of those. And then at least before, when you had five periods, you had the fourth that could go to maybe a non-shoe right. circuit and one. Yeah. And, and teams like us would find those events and go there, and yeah. the coaches would come see us. So, so it worked out okay. And then there was also, with the five periods, there was also some of those periods, none of the shoe circuits had events. So right. we could then, you again, mix. Yeah, yeah, so like it worked out really well. Um, for for not for non-sponsored teams and like we just said, if you are a shoe sponsored team, like like the rules helped you. So I mean, it, right. it doesn't. Yeah, I, it's um, I think I talked to somebody actually that a buddy of mine that coaches a a shoe sponsored team and Adidas team, and he said, you know, with us having two weeks, essentially travel teams having two weeks to play, it takes the um, you can't really mess up, right? You can't say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to go try out this new event in Kansas City that I want to just, you know, we want to do something different while like playing different. Like you can't take a chance. You can't take a chance because the window is so small. And if you think about it, you know, you have kids. We had kids on this team, right, uh, on the team that I coached, that his high school team didn't participate in any of the June, 
June stuff, and he didn't get an invite to the NCAA stuff. So the only chance he got to be seen was the two weeks that he played with us. Mm-hmm. He has a bad week. Yeah. That and, hurts his recruitment. And imagine if it's the same kid on another team that doesn't isn't doesn't have a head coach as active as you in recruiting an right. organization that supports the recruiting as much as we do. I mean, then he's really, really right. screwed. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you put yourself in a situation where – I mean, I talked to a D2 coach, and they said, you know, this is the only year we've had so many good players that we've seen not have – Division one scholarship offers. We're trying to get kids on campus to get them to commit because we're going to get some steals. Yeah. Just because so many kids have not been seen or seen enough, um, and it's it, that's going to be top down, like top down. Uh, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about actually um, the camp for the NCAA Academy mm-hmm. uh, real quick, specifically. So, uh, I know you've talked to your people. I, I've talked to some of mine. I've talked to. Uh, a college coach. One of the comments uh, a college coach made to me was that the NCAA has their heart in the right place. Like they did try to do it right, and they did. They were in it, you know, essentially for the right reasons, and they did try to do a good job. But they just weren't prepared to actually logistically pull it off. Uh, right. They had all the money in the world, and they spent a lot of money on Eight it. Eight million dollars. But just little things, like yeah. apparently they didn't have the player lists printed out for coaches. Mm-hmm. They only had it for media, and, and then the coaches had to use an app to find games. And, and so they, were, they spent the majority of the time on their phones trying to find players and find games and who's playing who and who's this kid. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, it was, you know, and then the drill work they added in there, the skill work, which is great, but that's not what college, college coaches, frankly, just they, they don't want to see skill work. They want to see guys compete. They want to see them play. They want to see those skills in action, in live right. action. Right. We're all about skill work. Right. Do it in practice. Do it on your own. Do it, you know, outside of recruiting events. You <laughs> right. Know, and then showcase those skills right. during the recruiting events is, is the whole point of it all. Right. Um, right. They don't need to see two ball dribbling, uh, some of that stuff. I mean, and, what else did you and, hear about it or, you know? So, yeah, so I get, you know, I thought that um, they wanted to take an approach where they wanted to impact the whole student, right? So they had classroom sessions, um, they had drill work like we talked about, then they had games, they only played two games a day. Um, but the problem was um, that they really, again, they didn't consult people that are in this every single day. So you have down the gameplay, the team list, the team names. You know, you have, say you have four teams at an event. You might name those teams, Team Blue, Team Red, Team Orange, Team Green. Well, they were naming the teams UNC 1991 against UNC 1990. <laughs> Duke 91 against Michigan 97. It, it was, And you had some of the confusion. same – Yeah, just add confusion. Or you had um, – I saw the player list that did not have players' contact information in it. So we have names, we have – a school where they're from but we don't know how to contact them it basically comes down to like they took this stuff some of these events away from actual like event and tournament operators who Mm -hmm. are i mean that is their job and they're experienced Mm -hmm. and they know these like logistics and administrative things down to the detail of it like they could have just gone to hoop group and said hey come in and run these camps for us or uh, like or at least just ask them like, hey, what, what do should I, we do? What do we need to know? And Hooper would have said, okay, you need the player list by number, you need the player list by last name in alphabetical order. You need, uh, you can't name the teams that. You gotta <laughs> name them this. Like, <laughs> right? Uh, they could have learned a lot, but it's like, 
they just try to throw money at it. Like I, my understanding is they spent 10 to $12 million, maybe more to fly in the kid, fly in the parents. That's Put great. Them up, hotel. Put them up in the hotel. Mm-hmm. But like, but yet they couldn't get some of those details right that, um, that are, I mean, make or break. It was, really. Yeah, it was rushed. It was a knee jerk. You know, you have this, you know, the FBI investigation. It's all over the news. Everything's splattered. So we have to do something. And I get it. Um, and some of the, the thought around it was, I thought it was right. I thought it was a good idea, but um, it was very rushed um, to the point where you had, I mean, they had 1,500 kids go to these camps. I mean, from the camps, you might be seeing 40, 50 kids getting offers. I'm not seeing a ton of kids getting From the camp, they're getting these offers. It's, not, it's just not happening. And the college coaches I'm talking to, they're like, look, it was, it's tough to watch. Yeah, We're sitting in there watching somebody do a three-man week for 30 minutes. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, you know um, – uh, someone else said a co- college coach told me too. One of the one of the issues was, I think the I think the NCAA put eight to nine to maybe even ten players per team. Seven eight yeah. And then, uh, like like we talked about, a lot of those top players dropped out and ended up not coming. So now these teams were left with five six seven guys on a team, and they were just dog tired. Two like, twenty minute halves playing yeah, games. Yeah yeah. And so like <laughs> I mean they were just dead. And so it's I mean these kids that. First of all, are not a lot of them aren't Division One level, and that's what the whole thing was supposed to be about—a recruiting period for D ones. Right. But then, second of all, they're they're undermanned, like on the team, so they're just worn out after a uh, a ten hour day right. or whatever it is, and so they can't like. And and I, you know, the junior NBA and USA Basketball come out with some of these guidelines saying like, oh, it should only be two games a day, but yet. The NCAA is going and putting these kids through a eight, ten hour day right. of you know multiple days in a row. It just it's just not adding up. There, yeah, there, there's yeah. a lot of different people trying to get in the mix, and it's they they've come out and said um, that they're not going away from this. This is here to stay for for now anyway because they made an investment, um, and that there will be some tweaks and changes to it. So I I'm can sure see it getting better. Be, but. Um, but again, so even if we so, so so let's address the players, right? So we didn't have good enough players this year. Next year, and, and by the way, I heard the NCA was very very upset and from a reli- very reliable source uh, that the NCA was very like upset and concerned that the elite players dropped out of them didn't come. Right, but but you if you push Why? the people that have the relationships with them out, then they're not coming. Now the thought from somebody that said hey you know what you should do if, even if you're going to do this kind of like what you mentioned if you're going to connect with hoop group connect with some of the bigger name teams that have great players in the, and and get a committee together and say you know what this is what we're thinking what are your thoughts mm-hmm. and then you would have some buy-in so those guys could come some AU guys can say you know what let's get behind this this makes some sense they actually asked us about it and you'd have some some better um, better communication, better dialogue going on. Yeah. But what it seemed like from my vantage point was they just shut the door. AU's bad. These guys are bad coaches. Yeah, like it was this super black or white thing, yeah, it bad was, and good. And, and, and that was it. And yeah. it just cut it off. You know, we're giving it back to the high schools, and, and that's it. And it just was um, yeah. poorly executed. They definitely overlooked the fact that, like, I know kid, a lot of kids get knocked these days. Oh, they're not as competitive or whatever it is. But, like, they definitely overlooked that, that, like, these kids uh, take a lot of pride in their AAU team mm-hmm. and in competing with their kind of, you know, their brothers and going doing that circuit, doing those five live periods and just, I mean, getting after it as a team. You become a family after all the traveling you do. 
And then they just said, no, forget your family. Like, just come out here individually <laughs> and, 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 and do right. this thing. And that's why a lot of elite players, I think, like, for what? what? Why do they need that? That they don't, like, the Dukes and the have nothing Carolinas, Kentuckys, they're already right. getting, they're they're, they already yeah. know who's who. Yeah. And even even the just any of the high majors pretty much already know who's who. I mean, every right. once in a while you get a kid like Caleb Mills last year we had who blows up. But, right. like, that's pretty random and rare. And so... But if he doesn't if he doesn't have those other weeks of AAU, he doesn't. Oh blow no, up, no, no, right? not at all. So he had he had that one week of unarmor, played really well, and it snowballed the next two weeks. If you stop it and say, "Hey, go to an individual camp," yeah, I, I don't think that happens for him. Yeah, so the NCAA totally overlooked the the pride and the competitiveness of these kids right. in the AAU system, which mm-hmm. is a great thing. And we heard a lot about that about like, oh, don't take away Peach Jam because that's just super competitive. You see oh, that yeah. you see kids compete on yeah. the highest stage, and uh, AAU gets knocked so much for bad basketball and not well coached and under skilled kids and this and that, but like it's super skilled would, and super competitive. I would challenge anybody that has that, that viewpoint to go to a high level high level game. Go yeah. to a PGM game or come to Under Armour, go to a go to a high level travel event and see what goes on. And then and then take away you know there's there's you know on the Under Armour circuit there's former Division One college coaches coaching these teams. Right. Like there's there are guys that are coaching really high level um, high school teams, you know, or that go on to end up at as college coaches. Or um, I saw West Coast Elite; they put out their college coaching tree. Everybody has been a part of their program. They've got like twelve guys at the college level. Mm-hmm. They got NBA guys coaching on their team. So mm-hmm. like to say it's all bad. Now, granted, the dad with the Bluetooth and holding the baby, <laughs> and the we'll, you know, what I'm saying you'll see those, but. The, the reality of it is a lot of guys are, are putting in the time that really care about this. You know, one thing that I love about our program is we really have basketball guys, right? So we have guys that either played in college, coached in college at some point. On My two assistants, you know, they can go be head coaches at anybody. You know, I have a head coach of a high school and a former Division two assistant on my staff that yeah. know – the game yeah so it's not we're just not rolling it out oh yeah just go go hoop go make plays like we're really trying to teach guys how to play yeah and the high schools the high school coaches see value in us too right. it's a mutually beneficial relationship right. they they send us their kids we send them back in in better shape and it's just a big a, right. bi- a big cycle and then they have success but so i mean like i guess back to the the june periods i mean what would you suggest there in terms of like I mean, we're all for high schools being involved in this process. It would actually yeah. make our lives, I think, easier if, if, if the high school coaches could get more involved in the recruiting process so then you can kind of tag team it together. Right. Um, but what would you suggest in terms of, uh, of the high school involvement in, in the NSA periods? So I would say um, kind of my thought would be to move, instead of doing the June, move it to April, right? Do one weekend in April. And do uh, like regional sites. So you do, say in Atlanta, true regional sites, true regional, southeast, the southeast, Midwest, Mid Atlantic, okay. Northeast, that type Mid-Atlantic, of stuff, okay. right? And make it to where. So number one, you're in you're in April. School's still in session. You're not taking away a teacher who's on a limited budget and limited time, taking away his summer vacation to come coach these kids. So you can have him go in in April to bring his team to one place. Kind of, kind of like an AU model. Everybody converges on one area. College coaches can see a multitude of kids from different places, all at one time. Yeah, that that will that help sense. out, right? Instead of um, kind of spreading them out, and it makes sense 
um, like for a, from a teacher standpoint, and 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 it checks that box, right? You yeah, get because to see in that setting. June too, like. I mean, they have just gotten out of school yeah. a lot of times. Like, they're ready for a break. They yeah. they need a vacation, and now you're basically mandating. Like, they almost have to do this, or, you know, they're probably under threat of losing players. Right. Yeah. Or or if you're in some of these, some of these smaller towns, smaller schools, um, these coaches wear multiple hats. So, you know, yeah. the, the basketball coach might be coaching football as well, or he might be – you know, assistant principal and this and that. So he's got a lot of things to do. And so if you if you make it so that he doesn't have to miss time away or, you know, sacrifice one to for the other kind of thing, it will make more sense. Some of these schools yeah. aren't basketball schools that these kids go to. Yeah. It's a football school. Well, I'm not doing nothing June. June we have practice. We got, you know, morning practices and workouts. So Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you would say move the high school the high school period to April. Yep. Okay, is would you say still have an AAU period in April, or are you saying both? Yeah, so I would do uh, so my first week in April, whatever week that would be, that would be the um, for high schools. Okay, and then I would have like a week off if we could, and then the ne- the second week technically would be your travel ball week, um, and then I would give you a week in May, that kind of breaks it up. Don't and the, and the girls do that, right? The girls do the same thing. Okay. And then June, we wouldn't do anything. We would do the camp. We'd move the camp up to June. June is a camp month anyway, traditionally, with colleges doing their own camps. And by the way, I saw a good tweet, so I didn't make this idea up. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have had it. I saw a really good tweet uh, the other day with an idea um, of putting the ends, pairing the NCAA camp with the, uh, the NBA Players Association camp. That mm-hmm. The NBA PA draws all the elite kids, right? Top 100 camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so pair those two together so that the top 100 kids go to that camp and then the best of the rest go to the NCAA camp, which makes sense because right. then the big dogs, the high majors, can go just go to the NBA camp. Don't even bother with – and then the mid-majors or you know high major minus, mid-major, low major, whatever you want to call them, they can come to the NCAA camps. And, right. and it's, it's just you – know, it, they're, they're paired together. So elite players are going one place, the best of the rest going another. You're not skipping an AAU week. You're not right. doing whatever. Right. That would happen in June? Cause it, yeah, I would move it to June and make sure. Yeah, because when the, is the top 100? The camp? top 100, is, I think it's the first weekend in June. Okay. Or maybe a second. Yeah, Something like it that. It's pretty June. early. Yeah. Um, so I would just make it, make it in June because it's already technically been a camp month yeah. for so long. So just move it, move it there. And then July. Don't do three weeks of AAU, do two weeks two. of AAU. Yeah, um, I mean, even we'll admit, like, that three weeks in July was hard, man. It's a grind. It was hard, especially if you have a family and kids yeah. and, like, yeah. oh, man, that's This year really was the hard. first year we did a family vacation in July. Yeah. So I, I had never done um, any kind of trips or anything. I had my daughter, I remember last year I had her with me for AAU tournament oh, for yeah. the week in Atlanta, yeah. which she had a blast. Yeah. And we did, you know, Coca-Cola and all that kind of stuff and got to see stuff, but um, – this time I was in the beach in July, which had never happened. Yeah, um, which was good, uh, but I think two weeks. So you you get guys back with their the AU first team. First and the last, right? Yeah, you get them back with their AU team. They do Peach Jam, they do Under Armour, Adidas, whatever they're doing, and then you have a second week where those teams can mix with those other guys. So the independents can get some love, the independent operators can get some love, and then it gives some some continuity, right? So for the big thing for my team was. You know, we had one week we played. I thought we played pretty well, 
I was like, dang, if we had another week, we can be really, really well and help those kids that much more. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we just didn't have that. So if you had yeah. two weeks in, in July, that kind of alleviates that. Yeah, I think so. To recap, it would be one high school period in April, one AAU period in April, one in May, and then two in July. Well, June, June camp. Oh, one June camp, and then, and then two AAU in July. Yep. So it would be six total, but it would be a mix of high school uh, camp, I guess, NCAA right. slash camp, and then uh, AAU. Right. Okay. The reason I add the May in there is just because you just get more of a sample size. Yeah. The big the big thing you want to address is you look at the transfer portal, the NCAA transfer portal, it's 900 kids this past year. That's going to grow with this new recruiting class because people are just missing. They haven't seen people enough. So if we give these coaches the opportunity to see these people a little bit more, yeah. another weekend, three days, um, that help that will help out I, is my thought. But that's not going to happen, though. The NCAA is not no, doing that. No, they're, they're, no. they're not going to have six periods. No. So let, I guess the hope would be, hey, move the camp to maybe June and make and pair it with the top 100. I think that's probably even a stretch, but maybe they'll smarten up and listen to some I don't of these think guys. They, I, I, don't think they'll, I don't think they'll pair it with the top 100 because the thought is they want those they top want 100 kids players at still. those camps. That's crazy. And, like, the, and What's the incentive for them to go there? I don't, I don't, no, I don't what, they're, what they're looking at is um, – Open it up for the younger kids earlier, right? So if you're a younger... Like ninth grade? Yeah. So if you're a ninth and 10th grader and you're a high level ninth and 10th grader, to really try to pull you in. Because the thought is, you know, maybe those juniors and seniors, that they've already got what they've got. They're not thinking about going to camp and proving anything. Maybe these younger guys do. Yeah. So kind of kind of gear your focus that way. All right. Well, that, that we might be thinking too too big here. If you If, if the end... If the schedule stayed the way it was this year for next year but you could make one change either add one thing on or change one thing what would it be i would add another week in july for AU. in july okay so right now as it as it stands there's still only one in april which we we thought this year there would be two in april right we thought they just skipped one this this past year because easter Easter, and sat fell on a funky date so we couldn't do it but we thought they'd go back to it next year so we thought there was going to be two in april one in July, well, the two high school in June, one in July, and then the camp at the end of July. That's what we thought, but that's right. not going to happen. It's As of right now, it's still one in April. It's the two in June for the high school, and then it's one AAU in July, and then the camp. So if you could do one, you would say you would basically, you would add the AAU one more live period, AAU live period, onto right. July. right. And, but the camp at the end, the camp would have to move, or you're saying stick it in the middle, just leave that, it, and then yeah. the camp is yeah. okay. Just leave the camp on the end, um, just because. So what's going to happen with the camps is, you know, a lot of people say we didn't know. A lot of people are advised not to go. I. You're going to have more people applying to get in that camp next year, period. And so you're going to have more kids probably miss out on that camp. And so, do you screw those kids out that don't get? that opportunity or do you say you know what you know your high school didn't play in anything in in june you can't help that you're not a school administrator or a state administrator let's give you another week to play with your team your your buddies maybe you might get something um that's i think that's the right thing to do yeah um but we're we're talking about different things yeah (laughs) yeah interesting um 
I don't know what they're going to do, but definitely uh, changes need to be made. I mm. mean, you would hope and, and you would think um, they have enough money, so it's it's not a money issue. Um, it's just or even you know say say you don't want to get involved in it and say the NCAA really wants to get involved and say hey we want to clean some stuff up we want to have our involvement maybe run your own tournaments so you control who gets in entry fees yeah you control what's going on there um, the teams that come and then you have some I mean, I mean I mean if they're flying kids in anyway yeah. it's like just, just, yeah. just do it do do the whole team and then just round it up there's yeah. some familiarity. And, right. that, and that would take that would relieve some of the pressure on some of these big time AAU organizations to to have to fund their kids and, and their teams right. some some way. I mean, that, and well, I mean, we know where the NCAA gets the money and all that, and we know they have, I mean, just huge amounts of it. And <laughs> right. if they're willing to spend it, and they don't want to pay the players in college, okay, then spend it on high school kids to help them right. take advantage. If you want to, yeah, if you truly want to police it, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. So, all right, well. I think the bottom line, though, is that they need more input from guys like you, tournament operators, guys that are actually involved in grassroots yeah. basketball, right? that have experience, have done this stuff before, that can give solid advice, not just a, not just a group of non-basketball people, just you know, big name people. Yeah. Condoleezza, call me. <laughs> call me up. Add me on LinkedIn. I'll... I'll I'll help out for sure. All right. Well, Sim, appreciate you being back on the podcast, man. Definitely. And, uh, that was good. May- maybe we'll try to do like a, a quarterly uh, recruiting podcast update. Yeah. That'd be cool. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks.